almost three quarters of the people that you're going to do business with want to see that you have good reviews. But most of those people don't trust reviews that are outside of a 21 day window. So they want to see that you've had a recent review of a recent interaction because, you know, six months ago, a lot can change in six months. A lot can change in even a month, you know? If you're going to do one thing, the thing that I tell all all my business owners, if you're going to do one thing, it's go out and get those Google reviews because it's weighted so heavily on everything that you do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Savvy, our educational podcast for field service and home service business owners. I am your host, Nick Worker. Uh, Today on the show, we'll be turning our attention to one of the most important and most challenging aspects of running a business. I am, of course, talking about marketing, a topic obviously very near and dear to my heart, if you know that I am the marketing director here. But uh, this conversation, we're very fortunate to be joined by one of the industry's brightest marketing minds. With me today is Patrick Canole, the Director of Organic Marketing at Oozle Media. Patrick, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and your background in marketing and, and kind of what you got going on at Oozle Media? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been in the marketing game for um, six years now. Um, I've been working with a lot of home service companies, post-secondary education companies, uh, dentists, et cetera, you know, kind of the gamut. When, when you get into marketing, you don't know who you're necessarily going to be working for a lot of times, but um, home services has been kind of one area of specialty that I've had over the last um, five to six years that I've been in the marketing game. Um, primarily, I have been, um, I started as an SEO specialist, and that's my love is, is SEO uh, in particular, um, but obviously, if you're working in marketing and being at a director level, you kind of have to have a, a wide scope of, of information and, and a view of everything, especially with how marketing is such a, an ecosystem. You can't do one thing on one marketing channel without it affecting another uh, marketing channel, to be honest. And so, um, you know, have had a lot of breadth of experience in that area too. So, so we are we are birds of a feather in that sense. My first love was uh, SEO. I started I started here actually as my title was the web content specialist. I did not know what that meant. All I knew was I was writing blog posts um, and stuffing like a, like a lot of keywords into them. I was try- not yeah. keyword stuffing. Back but I was in trying- the day, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And uh, and yeah, I just became obsessed with like ranking and 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 rank factors and and all of that yep. stuff. I'm sure we could yep. talk. Uh, as an aside about that, but uh, I do, I want to talk about your work with, with home service businesses specifically. So you obviously work closely with a lot of them. Are there any marketing trends within that industry that have really caught your attention so far in 2021? Yeah, um, it's, there's, 2021 is a very interesting year, you know, obviously coming out of the pandemic and still kind of in it, who knows, we're in the kind of that sticky, like, little whatever kind of was going on um, a lot of the yeah fingers crossed for sure um but a lot of the home service companies that we worked with last year you know were able to adjust fairly quickly to a lot of things because you know it's they're they're used to having to take sanitation efforts and, and things like that um you know they're visiting homes they're essential workers 
you know, per se. So they still, you know, a lot of the companies I worked with still saw pretty good years overall, um, which was a really nice part. And then what I'm seeing in 2021 um, in particular is an added emphasis on safety precautions and things like that. From the marketing side, though, what I'm really seeing with starting to differentiate people is, um, is reviews online. Like, honestly, that's if, if you're not up to date on your reviews, people are going to, they're, they're not going to be as, as high of conversions. And then the other one that we've um, really been able to kick off with several of our home service companies is actually starting to use um, getting more into social media and um, getting direct leads out of social media through a couple of ways that we've been able to be successful with that. And I wish more companies that were home service oriented companies would realize the value that they could get out of their social media because I don't think as many of them, like there, there's a lot of old school thinking in, 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 the, in, this, in this industry, right? A lot, of, a lot of mailers, a lot of, a lot of trucks with signs and things like that, which still are effective. I still encourage you to do that. But if you want to take it a step further, um, I think social media is definitely a place to be. So I, I, I have experienced this in my personal day-to-day. Um, obviously, I work closely with uh, like the home service industry as well. And uh, we have this guy that we're like very good friends with. He's a friend of the owner, um, but he owns a fencing company. It's very local to us. So mm, yep. you know, if, if a fence falls over, you know you're calling Joey. Um, yeah, we work with a deck company and it's similar. Right? And uh, I mean, listen, if you, if you ever have a problem with your deck, I know, I'm sure you know who to call, right? Um, <laughs> so we have this guy and, uh, you know, we, we're always just talking business with him, right? And one of the things that he said was crazy for him, um, especially through this, this crazy year we've had, was Instagram. I was like, really? Instagram for a fencing company? And, yeah. and you think about it, Instagram is just... Well, what you can do with Instagram is more important than Instagram itself, in my opinion. It's that it's so targeted to your area, you know, and and if you're reaching people that, you know, say your demographic is that they're just above a certain age, you know, because obviously if you're 18 and younger and you own a home, listen, kudos to you. But I don't think that you're really doing that. You're the the exception to the rule. Exactly. And uh, and. I just, I couldn't believe that. So, you know, I, I researched more into it and I was like, wow, this guy's really right that Instagram could be such a great tool for a fencing company. It blew my mind, especially to hear it from, from really the, the, the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah. then the other thing is you're, you're right about the reviews, but I've had this happen to me recently is reviews are so important, not only to get new customers, but companies won't want to work with you if you have bad reviews. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't, and listen, we have good reviews and, and I manage them. So like, I got it to my own horn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but like, that's a thing. That's a criteria that if, if, if you reach out, say, I want to work with, say, I wanted to work with you and you guys handle my marketing or something. And somebody left me a review. Uh, they pay their invoices late. Um, I don't know. I didn't hear from this guy for a couple of weeks, like, you know, bad reviews. And I'm not, I'm not working to improve my customer service as a whole. You're, yep. you're going to be like, I'm not going to take this guy's account. I don't want to do this guy's stuff. That's yep. he's sketchy. Um, so if you're not on top of your reviews in that sense as well. Um, but I do want to talk about, so 
I always, I want to make eventually a podcast about like goofs. I think goofs are really funny. And that's what we're going to call them. But so what are some of the things that you see home service business owners do that you would consider a mistake? And what are some of the more like generalized frustrating ones? Uh, and what are some things that they could do instead of that? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it ties into a lot of the same things. And it's like, you're not doing those things that, that help you out. Like the, the biggest goof is really not paying attention, I would say, on, on your reviews um, and on social media, because that's where people are. That's where people live. Like the young, you know, especially younger demographics, you know, we're not, they, they're everywhere, you know, TikToks, Instagram, et cetera, right? But even people in their 30s, like I'm in my 30s, I'm a homeowner, okay? And I, I, I need a new fence at some point because it's, it, we bought a home that's got a really old fence and it's full of spiders and we still need to get it fixed, right? And so, but I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm, I'm elsewhere. I look at reviews, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Some of the stats that come out, like 90% of consumers use the internet to find a business. 93% of them read the online reviews, right? And so not paying attention to those reviews, I think is the biggest goof that you can make for sure. Because you do, if you haven't checked on yourself recently and all of a sudden you went from a four and a half star rating and you got slammed with, a, with some sort of campaign that, that got, got you hit, you're down to a three seven or two five and you're not responding to those reviews, you're, you're SOL. Like you're gonna, all of a sudden you're like, where the heck did my leads go? <laughs> you know? And so I think that's the biggest goof that I, that I see on a fairly regular basis with new to new to our company new to Uzu media clients it's like but did you pay attention to reviews right you know and you know there's some one-off things that you see here and there but i think that that's the biggest prevailing one it's just not paying attention you know i don't want to use i don't want to give license to people to use this as an excuse but um when i was first getting into reviews I want to say like four years ago, like review collection on Google yeah. and all of that. Uh, I remember seeing a statistic that was something to the tune of, well, almost three quarters of the people that you're going to do business with want to see that you have good reviews. But most of those people don't trust reviews that are outside of a 21 day window. So they want to see that you've had a recent review of a recent yeah. interaction because you know six months ago a lot can change in six months a lot can change in even a month you know well yeah look at look at march 2021 for an example for that right exactly and <laughs> or 2020 sorry and listen you know like maybe you lost an employee or you had a bad day that's one review what i would caution to tell people is the sooner you get started on collecting reviews even if they're even if they're mediocre, right? If, if you get, say, 100 reviews and somebody has, you know, a misunderstanding with your company. And I, listen, I'm always erring on the, on the side of, of uh, benefit of the doubt. Like you're yeah, providing excellent customer service. You're a good person. You're really out there to help people, right? But somebody comes in and, you know, they didn't understand what you do and they didn't like that you provide a premium service and you didn't want to just go out there and waste time, whatever, you know, and the person writes a review, oh man, he wouldn't come see my thing and give me a quote and blah, 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 blah. And you get a one-star review for that. 
you know, there's things that you can do. You can reach out to that person. You can respond to that review. And I'll let you talk more about that. But if you already have 100 reviews and you get one one-star review, that's not going to hurt you as much as if you have five and then you get a one-star review. Or if you have none and the only review up there is a one-star review. So yep. when you start to build a consensus of what people are, are, are experiencing with you, you know, that the, the bad reviews become the outlier. And I think people are afraid of their reviews. Oh, what if I put them all out there and they're all bad? Well, if, if you put them out there and they're all bad, you got bigger problems. Yeah, that's, that's an internal company issue. That's <laughs> you not got bigger the, problems. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about finding a way to improve visibility with local consumers is always crucial, right? We were talking about yes. this with, with trying to be local with Instagram. So, so what can home service companies do to improve their, their local SEO results and presence? Yeah. So the number one thing, so Google's, Google's algorithm, if you think about it, what does Google want? Google wants to provide their users, us searchers with the best answer, right? To the, to the, to the result. Right. And so if you as a company are that best answer, then you're more likely to rank. And how does Google find out if you're that best answer? Reviews, right? Google knows that reviews are important. And to speaking of to your earlier point, recency bias is built into Google's algorithm, right? It's part of what they look for with reviews on local SEO. So if you're getting reviews consistently, it's way more, way more valuable than the review you got six months ago, right? Because it's, it's a more recent experience. It's fresher, fresher content. You know, that used to be a huge buzzword <laughs> a few years ago when it's the fresh content thing. It's, it's very similar um, today and now. Um, but if you break down local SEO, it really breaks down into kind of four parts, in my opinion. There's links, right? And those can be, there's a lot of bad ways to get links um, as, as anybody who's been in this industry <laughs> knows. There are a lot of harder, fewer good ways to get links. It's not as easy to get bang for your buck. And honestly, it's not quite as like um, heavily weighted in the algorithm as it was as it was even three years ago, I would say. And then the next part is your is your brand, who you are, right? Your the the brand authority, you know, to put into a buzzword term, but realistically, like how authentic you are, how how good you are. Um, content is another one, and then it's just and then user experience of your website. So those are kind of the four parts of SEO that, that you would look at. And if you're going to do one thing, the thing that I tell all, all my business owners, if you're going to do one thing, it's go out and get those Google reviews because it's weighted so heavily on everything that you do. Plus, even if you aren't ranked number one, like in the, in the traditional map pack that we see for, for SEO, right? So you do a Google search, you know, the plumber near me, right? And you, they show up with the three results. If you have one that has that shows up number one that has four reviews, and then you have another local Joe Schmo plumber that shows up with 27 reviews and a four-star rating, and then you show up as a bigger company or even as a Joe Schmo company that has 145 reviews and a four-seven rating, which one are you going to pick? You're going to pick the one with more reviews and a better and a better overall rating. In fact, some people are distrusting of somebody that has 10 reviews and five-star rating. Like, okay, did you fish for those? Did you did you know are those just your select best customers. Whereas kind of like what you talked about earlier, that sample size is, is huge. So if you're going to do one thing, that's what I would say. The next biggest things are probably um, going to be related to, you know, getting, you know, being involved in your community. And, and that really helps your SEO more than you, than you would think. So 
we keep coming back to this and I, and this is something that I think is underappreciated as like the low hanging fruit. I know that people in the uh, in the marketing community don't really yeah, like another, that. But another good word, another good term. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's one of those like low effort, high reward type of things that you can do. And we're talking obviously about getting reviews, right? So I think what holds a lot of people back from from really venturing out and and investing time, energy and money into collecting reviews is that they are all afraid of getting the bad review because once that's online, they feel it, it doesn't like go away. It doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, especially if it's valid, right? Like, you know, yep. people have bad days. And again, I'm I'm erring on that that side of you're a good you're a good business owner, you're a good person, but Maybe you had a bad day. Um, so what can business owners do um, if they receive a bad review? Or uh, listen, I guess part of the answer could be, should they do nothing? But what, what should business owners do? Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely not do nothing. That <laughs> reflects badly, right? You can do nothing. And again, but I think that falls into that goofs category of, not, of appearing like you're not paying attention. Maybe you actually were, but if you're not, anything and review responses are actually part of google's algorithm they've come out and confirmed that too so responding to all positive and negative reviews i think is is important the best best case scenario and we actually wrote about this on a blog is you take it offline right have something that's you, you can have something that's semi-scripted that's like hey so and so i'm so sorry that you had a negative experience about xyz thing please give me a call. I'm the business owner or even uh, the customer service representative or whoever is going to be the person that can actually help them resolve their issue. Give me a call. Take it offline. Do not, this is definitely a goof, do not argue with that person online. How many times do we see internet trolls <laughs> get, get slammed on Reddit or slammed somewhere? or something that's just like back and forth and just heated and you're just pissed. Like I didn't even like, I was like, my manager, you know, my delivery guy was late. I'm sorry, five minutes, whoop-de-doo, you know, or like we got a review for one of our plumbers that, uh, that their, one of their drivers was driving a little carelessly. Right. And so it's like, you didn't have a real interaction with the company necessarily, but you did have a real perception of the company. And so there's things that you can do. And I, the number one thing I would say is get it offline. If you can resolve it offline and you can, make that customer into a happy customer again, then ask them, hey, would you mind going in and updating your review? And then that actually shows a lot more trust to somebody that's like, even when these guys messed up, guess what? They still took care of me. They still are helpful, right? That shows what, what, what kind of company you are. People would even, like, that's a positive thing, right? Hey, I gave them a two-star review because of this, that, and the other, the guy was okay who I was working with. And then, Hey, this is so-and-so, let me fix your problem, fix my problem. I'm going to give him a four-star review. Great. That's fabulous. You improved your rating and you showed that you care. So I have a, a personal question because I, I'm the guy who tries to follow up after we get a, a, a bad review. Yeah. Um, mostly because I'm nice and I really, I really do want to resolve it um, and provide a, a good experience for somebody that maybe didn't have a good interaction with us. And I can tell you from experience, those conversations are really not bad. And here's why is because the person 
or, or, or people really just want to have positive experiences. They don't want to have negative experiences. So if you take the time to own it and apologize and say, this is where we were wrong. I I'm sorry. I want to make it right. They appreciate that. In fact, I was just recently speaking to a woman who had a terrible experience with us and I owned it. I was like, listen, this is not typical. I apologize for this. And, uh, you know, I'd really, I would relish the opportunity to really make this right by you. And she basically told me like, Hey, I'm, I'm really not interested, but I really appreciate you giving me a call and, and, and trying to set it straight. Um, but I do wonder often that I, or if I'm calling these people too soon. So is there a window of time where you should let it cool off? Do you think, you know, that's a good question. Um, That is a very good question, actually, because I, you know, I think it's, it's probably going to vary a little bit because I would say there are certain people that need a cool off time period. If you talk to 16 year old Patrick, he needed a cool off time period <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, I got into a fight with my dad about who knows what, and I definitely need the cool off time period. But, you know, nowadays, if you, if, you know, if you're able to come back quickly, um, I think that, I think I would err on the side of, too soon than not soon enough because um that way you at the bare, bare minimum you show that you put in some effort to somebody else who may have had that problem um and that you responded quickly and that you wanted to, to help customer service wise um i would err on that side versus like letting it stew for a month and then like oh yeah i mean i guess we should go take care of what's her name that had a bad experience you know like that like the perception is the reality there a little bit and so that's that's kind of where i would err on the side of being too fast and too slow okay i i tend to agree with you because i really think honestly that you're still inside that window where where you could convert somebody you know i could get them back also true um but i do want to talk about so you you've been doing public speaking engagements um mm -hmm. recently on how to deal with spam Google My Business listings, which I, I find this very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So what has been your advice for identifying and reporting spam listings that might be keeping a company from being found on Google? Yeah. So this is, this is probably something else that, that would be a trending thing in the SEO world. I wouldn't say this is necessarily specific to um, anybody in any particular business. Actually, maybe lawyers. <laughs> lawyers, this happens a lot. But um Spam. Spam is, uh, there's, there's some tools out there that can help you find them. We, we pay for a couple of them that we use to help our, you know, actually just one tool that helps us with um, spotting them specifically. But there's usually like kind of three distinct things that spammers try to do. Because it's really, if you think about a Google My Business, like it's really not that hard to create a Google My Business profile. You need a name, an address, and a phone number, and you can mm -hmm. make up all three of those, right? And seem semi-legitimate, right? And so you can... Spammers can make that fairly easily. The best ways to spot spam, and, and not even necessarily like true spam. This can also be like a competitor who's trying to gain a little edge over you, okay? Uh, is number one, um, when you pick, insert your favorite keyword here, when you Google that and you find your map pack and you see those listings that are there, if you see somebody whose name includes a keyword, okay? That's not actually part of their company name. You know who your competitors are. You know what their actual names are. But if their name was, uh, you know, Katie West Plumbing, and all of a sudden they're Katie West Plumbing in Houston, hmm, there's a keyword right there, right? 
you can go in and suggest an edit to that and um, just remove that part of the name. Even like that's a legitimate edit. And the nice that you have to do legitimate edits like that. You can't just like, oh, this, I'm just going to oust my competitor. on Google tracks your Google profile. And the more that you do these, and if you have a bunch of negative ones, they'll just start at best ignoring you, at worst kicking you off the platform, <laughs> which is not a good thing. Um, but we, as we've done more and more of these, because I've done a lot of them personally, Google actually responds a lot faster to when I do something. It's kind of like that local guide review standpoint where it's more likely to show up. Google tracks everything, which is a good and a bad thing um, for, for, you know, depending on where you stand. I'm not going to put my foot in the ground on any of that. Um, that's a whole different podcast. We probably have three or four episodes <laughs> on at least, right? But um, but that, that's one of the best, best ways to track that. Another way to track it, um, this is usually using a tool. Um, we use a tool that kind of tracks um, ranking by position within the city um, to kind of uh, to help out with that. That's getting more and more popular to, to track that way. If you find somebody that has the exact same name and they're listed all over the business and you're like, I know you don't have this many actual locations, that's a very popular one to be able to, to spot as well. Um, and so, but those are kind of the two most common of, the, of them. And so just kind of keeping tabs on it, keeping a look on it um, really helps you do that. But the number, the, the easiest one to spot and report on is me. And then the last one is if you see something in there that has no reviews, no website, um, no anything, just the kind of name, address, phone number on there, it's likely that that's a spam listing just because it's that those are the easiest way to populate them. Occasionally that will be a real company. So the, the fledgling company that you just kind of screwed over a little bit, but that's probably few and far between. That's interesting that you can build up credibility as like an editor on Google. So it reminds mm -hmm. me of Wikipedia that like you can technically edit a Wikipedia page, but it just won't get approved unless you are a, legitimate editor of wikipedia i knew a guy who used to be a, a a really good wikipedia editor for some reason through academia that he was able to edit wikipedia pages um but we're talking about tracking right so i feel like this is a good segue you we did our research here okay we do our research on the ring savvy podcast on the business savvy podcast <laughs> i've noticed so you wrote a great blog post breaking down everything business owners need to know about call tracking Mm -hmm. Um, something that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm fighting with my call tracking now. Can you, can you talk a little bit about why call tracking can be such a valuable tool for those who are managing home service and, and field service companies? Yeah. Uh, I think it's indispensable. I think it's something that every business should have, um, home services in particular, where do the majority of your leads come from? It's a phone call. Right, we can track form fills on the website. Some people will do that, yes. But if I look at the numbers and when I report to my clients that I work with, 85% plus, 75% plus of any leads that come through are phone calls. Wow. Right. People want conversations realistically because if you think about home services, oftentimes you are doing something for somebody that they have no nothing about. Right. Like I recently got a uh, concrete pad at my at my house. I know nothing about concrete, right? I know that it, I like it and I'd rather have that than the patch of weeds that was there previously, right? But I know, you know, I, we did our due diligence. We, you know, we called around to a few different contractors. We looked at some reviews. We got a basic understanding of what needed to be in there, right? 
And then from there, but that was all done on the phone. All of it, right? I can't have that same conversation with the, with the form fill. I can't have that same conversation over email. I can't, it just takes a lot longer. And as a homeowner, I don't have that time, right? I just, I need to have that, that call or my wife who did most of it, right? <laughs> Needs to have that time to be able to talk to you and figure out where, how that's going. So just from a lead tracking standpoint, absolutely indispensable. But secondarily, there's another side of that to call tracking. Call tracking records calls. It records the audio. How valuable is it to you to know how your customer service representatives are doing, right? How well are they selling? How, you know, how, how many are converting well, right? Can you provide training to them? It's not a, oh, I gotcha, right? You're, you're, not, you're not trying to catch somebody in there, but rather you're saying, hey, look, I'm going to try to help you get better at this because then you get better. I, I get more sales. You can become, uh, you can get more, you know, depending on how you have it structured, you might, they might get more money or they might have, um, um, uh, you could jump up levels as far as bonuses, or you can also, so this is something that we've worked with, with a couple of companies is we can, with certain levels of call tracking, you can have a call come in and they're calling about a certain service and you know, you have a customer service rep that is really good at upselling that service direct them to that custom, to that agent every single time that you can. If they're busy, great. Somebody else at least get the sale, right? But being able to manage that within a call tracking system is absolutely, it's, it's so helpful, right? And that will really give you uh, the tools that you need. If you're, if you're a marketing director or if you're the, the you know, VP of sales or something along those lines, you need to have that tool to say, this is how revenue comes in. This is how we're going to make more revenue. It's by diverting resources and pushing them on here. This is how I know what's, what's working, at least to a relative sense. My favorite part about having tracking like that, like one of my favorite things about marketing in general, um, is like, sure, I know where the money is coming in from, but more importantly, I want to know where I'm wasting money. Um, yes. I just think that that's so cool. Like, uh, for whatever reason... I don't know why I am terrible at Google ads. I'm just bad at it. Can't manage it. Can't do it. I give it to other people, but I would never have known that really if I didn't have sophisticated tracking and call tracking available because, you know, it looks like people are like, Oh, I, I saw you on Google. I, 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 I found your listing. I, I found your website. I came on and I, and I called you, but if I didn't have any tracking, I would never know that, I am just really bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? The machines don't have bias. The machines don't have, um, they, the, they just tell you, they give you stats, right? They give you statistics. People like a very common question that people ask on the forum or people ask on the phone, how did you hear about us? Because they think that they're going to say that realistically, if we're going to look back at it, they may say Google, but where did they first hear about you? It might've been your billboard. It might've been a Facebook ad. It might've been who knows what, right? There's a lot of, attribution in of itself is such an inexact science and it is we as marketers have screwed ourselves over a little bit by saying oh yeah we can tell you exactly what sources are doing best when i can tell you right now that it's more of a mixed cocktail than it is a, you know a straight drink right like there is there is so much that comes into it and there's so many different touches that somebody can have just think about the last time you made a major purchase of any sort even maybe a minor purchase uh, you know $50 thing on Amazon or something you did your, you, you probably got touched by several sources before you made that, that purchase, Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, you, you thought about it, you searched it on Google, uh, you know, there's several, you maybe saw a TV ad even, or a physical billboard or a mailer or whatever it is. People take into a lot of, especially in 2021, and this has been true for the last few years, people take in a lot of research, a lot of data to do that. And so call tracking can help you with that too. If it's a good call tracking system, it can show you how many multiple touches somebody had, at least when they called in. And some of them can track it to a form fill and things like that too. Um, but it can help you find those touches too. So there are obviously, and and I don't say this, I don't say this lightly because like you, I've, I've been, I've, I've had more than, than a few years of experience in marketing. Um, and I've had to, you know, get some, like uh, my example before, I, I'm not good at Google ads, right? Mm-hmm. I can do SEO. I do content marketing. I handle. Yeah, I, I give my, I give Google ads management to, to somebody else on my team too. Oh man. I'm so bad. It's crazy. Anyway. <laughs> so I've obviously dealt with a few agencies in my tenure here um, at ring savvy and you know, in the beginning, I wasn't the best, what I would call talent evaluator. Um, and I didn't really know what I was looking for. I was just kind of looking for like a warm body who would tell me what I was spending and, and, and get me some leads off of Google ads. Right. Yeah. So, but now, especially now, um, being remote, everybody's looking to outsource things. There are so many agencies for business owners to choose from. So, what kinds of questions should companies be asking when they're looking to find an agency that would be the best fit for their business? And, and how do they know who to avoid? Yeah. Are you specialized, right? Can I, do you have specific case studies or anything about my vertical, right? Do you, have you worked with people like me before mm-hmm. that decreases the, those knowledge gaps immensely, right? Because you can take prior knowledge of prior accounts to build out keyword strategies, whether it be on SEO or PPC or social ads, it doesn't matter. You can like having an agency that is specialized in your vertical is extremely important for that. Um, that's one of, the fir- one of the first questions that I would, if it's not on their website, definitely ask them um, if they have a specialization in, in that. Um, Ask them about um, this, the other things that we do is like something to avoid. Guaranteed results are usually a, a red flag, <laughs> especially on SEO. Um, but the guaranteed results is, is you know, the, the, if they're in a specialization, if they're in a vertical and they can say we can guarantee certain things, but it's not necessarily like we guarantee you rank number one or we, we can guarantee that you get X amount of leads at XCPL or whatever that is, those are those are tough to quantify because uh, as an agency, like that's uh, you know even if I'm a good agency and I'm and I'm offering those sort of like guarantees, um, that are like hard hard guarantees. Who knows if Google or COVID hits again, and I can't pull that up. There's too many third party things that would interfere with that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's, and that's just from a good agency standpoint. From a bad agency standpoint, there's a lot of other things. Um, the other thing that I would say that is really important um, is when you're evaluating who to look for um, and how, how to do that, ask them if they have some sort of like um, a free audit or evaluation that they can do of your current, what you're doing currently. 
And somebody who's good at their job loves doing audits. They love looking at what, what has been done and giving suggestions as to what can be better. At least in, at least in my experience, that, that's been the case. Um, and that what we find here at Oozle, Oozle Media is like, when we get new companies on, almost every time that we that we were reaching out to somebody, we're like, hey, can we look at that? And it's not just a, a robot audit, like I call it, like to call them, like anybody can give you a, a robotic, here's a whole bunch of red flag check marks. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do that. I could do that when I was brand new in SEO. And then I say, well, you got to fix this thing, fix this thing. It's a real human being that's worth looking at your account, right? That's what you need is you need human, human experience combined with the, like the human and the digital robot experience together. That's where you make the best results. And that's the world we live in today. If, if we're being honest, we have a lot of mixed, you and I talking on this Zoom, Zoom podcast is a mixed media you know, format where we have a robot that's helping us accomplish a task. Um, I bet you you have somebody, the robot that helps you with your, your transcript on this. And uh, if not, you probably should. Uh, <laughs> but like, that's something that, that you have that you can do is it's somebody who has a specialization that says, look, we're, we can, we know our experience. This is our experience in this here. So this is our averages. These are what we can usually get to. That doesn't guarantee top notch results at a, at a minimum level. You know, I, I have never been offered a guarantee by a company, so maybe I'm doing something right, but I've also never asked for a guarantee. And I just want to know, like, I don't, I don't know what that mindset is all about. Like, uh... Well, if you think about it, it's, it's because a lot of times it's because um, companies have been burned in the past, I would say. We, we, we actually just, we've, had, we've been kind of grappling with this. We've had a few inquiries about it more recently about guarantees and like what, what we can, can guarantee, what we can do. And so, and we're actually working on something ourselves to kind of like for the verticals that we specialize in and that we work in, like what can be guaranteed? Like, you, will, you know, what are the things that we can? Because it offers a major security. A, a, our owner, um, he's actually a home services guy. He's not a marketer. He's not an a marketing agency guy. That's funny. That's he, cool. He's actually he actually um, did did plumbing and stuff. So like um, he he knows this industry really well. And he said the big the most powerful thing that you can offer a potential customer is a money back guarantee. However, it's the most dangerous one as well because right there there are a lot of other contingencies around it. But money back guarantee it eases the mind of the business. And it says, look, even if it doesn't work out, at least I got my money back, right? Um, because that's what their focus is. And so, <clears throat> again, dealing with that, that's so that, you know, that there's a lot to look into there. And I would say that you, you, want some, the, 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 you want some sort of, some level of assurance. And that's, that's what they're looking for. Is, is a level of assurance that it's going to go right. Cause it, you know, pumping in money into it, into a, a marketing ploy that, you know, marketers don't necessarily have the best reputation <laughs> built up over time, right? Like on par with politicians, I would say, <laughs> right? So like, that's not a, not a good standard to be at. And so if they can, if there's a way for them to earn your trust, I would say it's through proven results that they can say, this is what we know. These are the results that we've had. If you want similar results, we will follow a similar path. Um, and we, and that's, that's what we feel would work for you. I think that that is an absolutely 
trustworthy way to pitch a customer is this is what we've been able to do. We're confident we'll be able to replicate this for you. Here's how we're going to do it. We'll follow a similar path. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, we'll just part our separate ways. We won't, you know, keep your money. Yeah. And and that's the other thing that we, we pride ourselves on. We actually primarily do month to month contracts. We prove it every single month. Right. And so, but somebody that's going to lock you into a long-term contract, that's probably another thing to avoid is you have to sign a one-year agreement or two-year or whatever level of agreement, because then you're locked in. That's, that's tougher to get out of the contract without having to pay a buyout or something like that. That's also can be assigned. It's not always assigned. We offer some like, you know, six month contracts and then it converts to a month to month, you know, to waive a setup fee or something like that. Right. You know, it gives us a little bit of a guarantee, gives you a little bit of a discount. Everybody wins. Right. But, um, you know, we, shoot. So, you know, us getting a guarantee, like, you know, we don't want to work with a bad company. Right. We want to work with good companies too. Right. You know, we've worked with a few bad companies here and there and we've got to say, you know what, take your bad company and go elsewhere. Thanks. Yep. Um, so Patrick, I would like to thank you so much for joining me on the show today and, uh, and thank you to all of our listeners. So we hope you enjoyed this conversation and we will be back with another episode of business savvy soon. Be sure to check out previous episodes of our show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, anchor, and the ring savvy YouTube channel. See you next time, everyone.